This episode of The Clear Out was recorded on the 12th of September 2023 at home in Wicklow. And in it, I look at monolithic thinking that is thinking of others in a monolithic way thinking of them as being one irreducible thing i look at the flaws of that perspective i talk about the the benefits of disarming both oneself and one's opponents. Um, I talk about trust and non-judgment. I talk about the importance of non-judgment in encouraging and engendering trust and openness and changing, changing expectations, changing dynamics. I talk also about the the danger of well the danger are the limitations of assumptive thinking so i'm looking at the assumptions we make of others and how assumptions and prejudices nestle up alongside each other very snugly and again prevent healthy discussion healthy exchange so largely the theme is one of embracing non-judgment, of putting down one's weapons and of leaning towards improved understanding of others and of self. So that's what's coming up. I hope you can find time to listen. I will see you around the corner. Cheers. To change my mind, leaving the dream behind. Keep my inside. Hi, my name is Dara Clear, and you're listening to the Clear Out. You are very welcome indeed. How is life treating you today, right now? How's the form? Or as they used to say in this neck of the woods, how's she cutting? <laughs> How's she cutting? How is <laughs> how is she cutting? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a good one. I like that one. Um, so here we are. Another week has rolled by, and if you're joining me again, it's great to have you. If for some reason you decided to select this episode as your first experience of what I do here you are really really welcome and thank you thank you very much for taking a punt on this rather unwieldy offering that uh, I continue to present for your for your consumption I'm thinking maybe I should call this the I don't know show as it is an ongoing um, step into the unknown from one week to the next. And it breaks all the rules. It breaks all the rules. You know, you're not meant to start your presentation with, I don't know, I'm not sure, because then the listener goes, uh, what are we doing here? 
you want to feel you're in safe hands. Well, you are. (laughs) In spite of what I just said, you are in safe hands. This is a safe space. There aren't going to be any shocking surprises. There aren't going to be any aggressive provocations. There's just going to be reflection. There's going to be interrogation of some kind, a little bit of mental exploration. Perhaps we might brush up against an insight or two. And that is, that, that, that's about all I can offer. That's about all I can offer, but it's, uh, it's, coming from a, it's coming from a good place. It's coming from a real place. And it is coming from a place, a relationship to the I don't know thing. Certitude is anathema in this space. I do not like the absolutes. I do not like dogma i do not like people bashing me over the head with their convictions i prefer i prefer the the open-ended look at things i prefer the and i wrote about this years ago on on the blog that preceded the podcast i wrote about the idea that really All we can ever do is make decisions based on what we feel we know now, based on what we trust now. So there is, I mean, there is a Zen aspect to that. There is an aspect of being true to the moment with that way of thinking. But you know and it's it's not that i want to fully stay in sort of a relativist state which can re, you know remove meaning from everything and remove significance from everything you know because everything just becomes um you, you know everything becomes viewable and accessible from every conceivable angle um I mean, I do, I do like to take a position, but I'm happy to explore how I got there and I'm happy for that position to be challenged and questioned um, because I'm, I suppose my, my position is one of trying to stay in a place of feeling unthreatened. And maybe that, that maybe that will be part of the theme of today's episode, um, because if you stay, if 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 you feel unthreatened, you feel relaxed. That's that's pretty simple. And I'm not so sure that that is that readily available to a lot of us at this point in time, or at whatever you know stage you find yourself in 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 life. I mean, I have spoken before that, you know, some people are viewing this time as the age of anxiety. Um, There's a million articles out there uh, about how anxious millennials are about the future 
about the the insecurity, the instability of the world they are moving into um, as they contemplate careers and home ownership, as they contemplate climate stability or the lack of it, economic stability or the lack of it, food stability or the lack of it, institutional stability or the lack of it. Um, they are big things. And I think historically there's a tendency to you know, dismiss the young as feckless and careless and haphazard and irresponsible, whatever. A whole litany of accusatory adjectives that dismiss their seriousness. But I think that's flipped. I think for them anyway, I think younger people are deeply serious and deeply troubled by the state of the world, deeply concerned. Um, And then maybe as people get older, they're a bit like, there's nothing you can do. So, you know, get on with the party um, because the world is the world is screwed. And I mean, that's what that's my yeah, that's one of my, my father's favorite refrains. Uh, he's, he just turned 81 at the end of August. And one of his favorite refrains is, you know, the world is uh, the world is wrecked. And so am I. Or I'm sorry I've left the world in such a terrible state. There's there's a grandiose claim. <laughs> uh, yeah, my, <laughs> my father <laughs> taking responsibility for the calamitous state of the world. Um, you know, I mean, I in many ways uh, have echoed some of my father's life choices, sort of laying low in rural Wicklow. And, you know, trying not to rock the boat um, and steadily pursuing my own interests. Again, a point of conflict, a point of conflict in my in my marriage. Um, (laughs) I think my wife would like me to pursue her interests for us. (laughs) That is to be discussed at a later date. I'm not quite ready to uh, go there right this second. Um, But yeah, like the if we come back to that idea of feeling threatened, I think, I think that is a very, a very real thing that, you know, people of any age, but I, I, I you know, I, from what I read, I gather that is, there's a very strong sense of that in, you know, 20 somethings or teenagers, um, that of course, taps into or produces or causes that anxiety a sort of an existential dread um, and I think feeds into a sense of um, a sense of bruiseability or damageability um, and that heightens the sense of sensitivity and that heightens the reactiveness um, and then when people are feeling so vulnerable, the the desire for armor must be ever greater. And I think there's rocket fuel there for some of the the less well judged aspects of woke culture and identity politics, where identity becomes 
an armor our identity becomes weaponized and there's a desire to 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 seek safety in in the group or to seek safety behind um an identity uh a flag a badge you know whatever it might be um because there's there's security um or a sense of of solidarity um you know in in that in that sort of aggregation and i i instinctively distrust it um I'm wary of it because I, I sort of I, I'm suspicious of the, the damaging effects and the the intolerance um, that it encourages. Uh, I mean, I've, I've touched on this, I feel, many times in passing, sometimes in more detail. Um, but there's a there is there is an intolerance. There is a there is a sort of a, an inverted bigotry that comes with um tethering us tethering ourselves with such sort of zealotry to any particular group and i mean i've been you know i've come across aspects of that you can see that sometimes i've seen it sometimes in different karate organizations that i've been involved with and you know martial arts if you if you if you if you look closely at all at martial arts um, organizations, there are always factions and schisms and breakings away, um, and then you know the feeling of we're the ones who are doing it the right way and we're better than them. And I've I've known instructors to be very dismissive of other schools and other styles, um, and I've never bought into that not for a second. I've always thought, no, no, this is not, this is not the thing. We're focusing on the wrong thing here. You know, focus on the art, focus on the craft, focus on the discipline, focus on the journey of self-improvement. Um, because again, my belief, and it's very platonic, is that specifically if we're talking about martial arts, karate, whatever it might be, that they exist, you know, that the art exists independently, separately, it can it exists as an abstract idea in an idealized form and then it's up to us to make it flesh it's up to us to to physicalize it and make it real and to try and somehow meet the ideal or aspire to the ideal and every now and again we might produce something brilliant and of course i am way way down the line if we're talking about excellence <laughs> or high achievement or uh, artistic perfection um but i what well, i now have to now i have to sort of give a disclaimer um no i'm trying to i mean i'm trying to it was funny enough i was talking to a friend recently and something about you know my karate came up and he was like are you any good <laughs> And I said, yeah, I am. I am good. Um, I'm good. I'm not. I don't think I'm. Uh, I'm definitely not exceptional. I'm definitely not great. But I'm good. I'm solid. And my karate will stand up. Um, and I can say that with confidence. And not everybody can. And there are black belts who um, 
are really not great and there's nothing really underpinning the the you know the form or what they're doing and it's um it is it's you know for for black belt to mean something there has to be an attitude there has to be substance there has to be application and if i hesitate at all to say i am successfully applying those things or if i'm if i can if i admit that my karate doesn't necessarily reflect that at the moment it's probably because i've only been doing my own training for four years now i think it's about four years since i left my uh my club in melbourne when i finally parted ways in anticipation of moving back home um but anyway that is i'm getting i'm getting sidetracked there um but yeah i come back to this idea of of feeling unthreatened and why that jumped out to me as i was speaking there is because i've been thinking about i've been thinking about a couple of different things in relation to um I mean, gender wars, if you want to put it that way, male-female relations, uh, men's issues, how men are perceived, maybe how women are perceived, how women perceive men. But then it's like, it it, it all gets very reflective. And I, I was going to say there, how men perceive the way women perceive men. <laughs> if that's not too tricky. Um, and then what we veer into, um, what we veer into is the area of assumptions and we make assumptions about the other and how the other views us and how the other, (laughs) how the other others us (laughs) and it all gets a bit tricksy and a bit busy and we yeah we're we're kind of throwing up we're throwing up blocks we're throwing up obstacles um to successful trustful openness um now i did i did an episode on trust uh earlier this year i'm sure it was earlier this year and i i feel a huge element of of trust has to be non-judgment and if we are to be successful in in having non-judgment present in our relationships we have to either find a way of letting go of our prejudices or we have to be open about them um and run you know run the risk accept the risk of what that may reveal about us um and accept that there may be a cost to being fully open and going well this is i can't shake the feeling that this is true or that is true or this is my assumption or this is what I believe your position is. Um, but I don't think we, I don't think we talk like that. Or maybe, 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 maybe you do. Maybe you say, no, no, 
I, I, I had a big argument with my husband just the other week. <laughs> and I told him exactly what he thought. <laughs> or vice versa. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, broadly, I was thinking, you know, in, in, in a broader sense, I was thinking about this um, in terms of... Um, in terms of sort of ongoing, you know, discussions or, or discourse or articles uh, that I, I I hear or come across, probably probably because I'm, you know, I've opened up my kind of radar to to spot these things. But you know, relating to you know men's issues or how men are perceived, um, and yeah, there's often an aspect. There's often. Um, starting point in there of you know this is what women see or this is what women say about men um or the research has shown this that or the other and i i was thinking about this in terms of the danger of and i'm trying to i'm going to try to make a verb out of this word but the danger of monolithizing any particular group but for the sake of today's discussion maybe let's keep it simple and talk about you know men women um that word again monolithizing so again i'm not sure if that's a word but what i'm trying to say is when we render the other in a monolithic way we make them a monolith a single thing, a single structure, a single entity that we believe represents accurately what they are. When we do that, I <laughs> I really, really question how successful that is because we are instantly falling into generalization we are instantly falling into stereotype we are often indulging or validating um prejudice and assumptions and that does not lay the ground for non-judgment um and I heard something recently of someone was saying something about domestic violence in Ireland um, being a, a contributory factor to homelessness. And the way it was presented, my my assumption was that the 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 aggressors in the situation were men, and it was women who were being made homeless because of domestic violence, domestic abuse. Um, and I just kind of, you know, went on the journey with my own kind of thought processes. And I, you know, I took, I took the statement as, you know, I felt it was coming from a reliable source. I had no reason to doubt the, the truth of it. Um, and I was thinking, well, you know, what, you know, what would it be to step into the the space of you know domestic violence and why you know why do men why do some men why are some men 
um, inclined to to lash out physically at their partners. Uh, what you know? What conditions in their lives provide the green light for that? Um, is it is it behaviour they feel is approved of? Is it something they do? I mean, I doubt that. I doubt that personally. I think it's probably conducted. Conducted. Um, I think domestic abuse happens often privately behind closed doors. Um, I think. I think perhaps it is a, a you know a bit of a, a social taboo still. Um, I think it's something that people are are fearful of and wary of. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to, to, to legislate, um, you know, society's reaction or the failure of institutions or communities. Although there is something there is, there is, I think there, I think communities are implicated in terms of how they deal with or fail to deal with, um, you know, social deviance or antisocial behavior, um, which I think is rooted in, you know, fear and disconnection um, and perhaps a lack of trust in institutions to support the community in question. But whatever about any of that, like I, I find myself going back to go back to the source and go back to, you know, what is it? you know in 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 the man like what is it in the the aggressor if we focus on you know the male you know on on if we focus on a template which presents the man as the abuser okay and i'm thinking well what you know how do you get a man with that level of of anger with that level of uh violence or violent impulse um or emotional dysregulation or you know whatever i'm, I'm like I'm, I'm trying to use i'm trying to use like neutral terms and um sort of objective non-judgmental terms um because my assumption my assumption would be in that case if a man is lashing out and you know violently attacking his partner my first thought is that is not that's not a happy man um and again i'm talking about you know motivations i mean obviously my first first thought really is that woman or that family is in a very vulnerable position and they need to be protected and extracted from that situation if possible there needs to be an intervention but I'm trying to sort of engage with the idea of like how, you know, what's going on for that man? Where's that anger coming from? Where's that sense of 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 rage? Um like is it just a primal lashing out? What you know, what does that actually achieve in the in, in the moment? Like in, in, in the brain of the, the aggressor, the abuser, what 
is it achieving is it is it about control is it about fear um is it about a total a total lack of self-care and self-respect and self-regard and self-love is it self-loathing um is it i don't know i mean i'm 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 literally i'm literally sitting here just trying to kind of explore this this idea but you know i may have to come back to this another time when i've actually done a bit of research but what i'm trying to go to ultimately is to come to a position where i don't want to judge that man i don't want to judge that abusive person who is not able to control that impulse to lash out um i don't want to judge them because i don't i don't i don't see what benefit there is in judging and i'm trying to think if that was in a if i was in a space with that person my instinct would be to to try to encourage uh, an opening up, to try to encourage a a discussion, a sharing, uh, an exchange, um, where there's you know where there is a sense of of safety for the man, where there's a sense of you can be in this space and you can speak freely you can express your your anger your confusion your your hurt your sense of being lost um whatever it might be it may be an expression of misogyny it may be an expression of sexism um who knows but my instinct is that there can't be any uh, process. There can't be any process of of unpacking. There can't be any process with the potential of recovery or rehabilitation or of personal ownership um, of that behavior. There can't be any successful process without trust without trust that you know we're focusing on the path forward and that will involve interrogating the past that will involve interrogating the present um but that interrogation will take place without judgment um yeah anyway i mean that's that's a very specific area and i'm not speaking with any authority at all um rather i'm just coming to it with a more general um a general kind of lens of of what you know what i feel would be the you know a, a sympathetic approach um and you know, again, the, the, you know, these things have to take place in particular 
uh, you know, circumstances or settings. But if I step away from the specific, that specific area, which is a very particular area, um, and just step out again and go, I don't want to 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 pigeonhole or render you know men all men in those situations and go that's what they're like because i don't know i don't know a single thing about those men i don't how could i um i can bring I can go, oh, this this has been my experience or this is how I've behaved in my relationships or here there have been times when I felt angry or I felt I have felt frustrated or I've lashed out. That's about it. That's about all I can bring um, to the party to go, that's it. But I can't, I can't project and go, well, that must be what it's like for you. I've no idea. Um, and so to kind of, to, to follow my line of thinking here, I'm going, well, you know, we step out from all, we step away, step back from all behavior that we disapprove of and step away from all, step back from all behavior that we see as transgressive or troubling or confronting or terrifying. And we, I think... A healthier way to look at these things are, I mean, healthier is very, that's, that's, that's a bit of a loaded word. It you know, brings in a moral judgment maybe with that. But a way of looking at these things that may lead to more successful understanding is not to make assumptions and go, oh, well, you know, that particular person is like that. And again, come back to the idea of like you know not to make those men like a monolithic oh well they are like this always because that just lets me what it does is it actually stops the conversation it stops me engaging in real learning because i go well i'm operating on these assumptions let's kick on to phase five of the conversation or of the process because i don't need to examine the the assumptions and i think that is dreadful and i think not looking at our assumptions is you know that's that's a huge part of why there's so much conflict in you know a lot of different areas of life at the moment but in, in, in a lot of discourse around, yes, identity politics, around woke culture, around, um, you know, intensifying political, social, cultural divides, there is a failure to examine our assumptions and a failure to acknowledge how just how subjective our lens is. And I just think when, if that's our starting point, we're really, <laughs> we're, we're just not ever going to be in, in a place where we can really get to the heart of things. Um, 
and you know I, I think you know to, to 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 flip it to you know you know if I'm looking at yeah, if I'm if I'm looking at women, um, I don't mean literally looking at them, but if I consider women and I go, oh well, you know, all women at this age are like this, or women are like that. Um, I instinctively feel I'm kind of done. I instinctively feel if I'm engaging in that way of thinking. There's no, there's no room for for development or evolution. There's no room for a successful, honest exchange with with women <laughs> as I go forward in life. Um, I think it's like really because it, it it means I'm already you know it. I suppose how we think of it is, it becomes. It, it, like it's it's bad faith interaction and bad faith interaction is rooted in distrust like it, it can't be any other way and it's rooted in those assumptions which are like oh well obviously you're going to think this and obviously that's going to be your position on that and obviously if I say this you're going to react that way and think I'm that so therefore, I will not say that thing, and it's you know it's it's kind of doomed from the start. <laughs> um, but you know, again, I'm reminded of uh, I'm reminded of a phrase that my wife first introduced me to, which I have mentioned once or twice before on the podcast: uh, a therapeutic like a therapeutic term or a, a psychological therapeutic term, uh, unconditional regard. Um, and I think fundamentally how I think of that concept is you are, you know, you're sharing the floor with somebody and you're giving them um, the freedom and the, the, the sort of yeah, well, I was going, you know, sorry, I was going to say the liberty, which is the same as freedom, but you're giving, you know, you're giving them the freedom to to feel. Again, I, this is a safe space. I can speak freely, and I'm not going to be, you know, uh, censured for it. Um, I'm not going to be judged. I'm going to be given permission, in good faith, to be myself. And I'm not going to be made feel less than. I'm not going to be made feel like I shouldn't be in this space with other people. Um, I'm going to be given that sort of good faith acceptance and trust that we're not here to, you know, to, to, to judge each other on our you know, our, our kind of presupposed, you know, beliefs um, and convictions. And rather we take each person on, on you know, on their, on their merits, on, on, an in, on an individual basis. Now, 
I accept. I accept that this line of thinking could be, um, it could be accused of being naive, perhaps. Um, it could be, uh, it could be accused uh, of, be, of being unrealistic. Um, it may be, you know, it may even have the accusation leveled at it uh, of being disingenuous. Um, but I mean, I think we can, I think we can hold, I think we can hold more than one thing in our head. (laughs) I think we can hold more than one idea. I think we can hold contradictory ideas in our head and assess them regard them stand under them and go oh yeah i see where that comes from without being you know without getting sort of overly emotional about it or without getting um you know hysterical about it um and without weaponizing it and again i think that idea of you know weaponizing our convictions weaponizing what we believe if you're talking about trying to understand somebody else but you're bringing weapons um to the party yeah come to the party you know can i bring anything because uh, i was thinking of bringing my axe <laughs> why would you want to bring your axe why don't you just bring a pie <laughs> bring a nice bottle of something to share um <laughs> Bring some good vibes. Maybe leave the axe at home. Um, so the you know, and again, if I'm talking about weapons, it makes me think of um, the idea of 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 disarming someone. So of course, we in you know in martial arts we have uh, you know cross martial arts. You, you know you'll have different. Um, tactics, strategies, applications, um, methods of literally disarming someone. If someone's coming at you with a weapon of some kind, you'll have in your arsenal, uh, in your repertoire of defensive techniques or counterattacking techniques, you'll have some you'll have some skills there to try and disarm somebody, um, but. You know, in that case, you know, there is an actual threat. There's a, you know, there's a physical threat. You're looking at an actual weapon. It could be a knife. It could be a stick. It could be a baseball bat. It could be a hurl in Ireland. Um, (laughs) It could be, yeah, a razor, uh, you know, a a Stanley blade. Uh, What are they called in the States? Box cutters. It could be a gun. Um... And that is, that's verifiable unless you don't trust your senses, unless you don't trust your eyes. That's a verifiable, like an identifiable physical uh, threat. It's an intensification of, of, of the danger and action must be taken. Now, if we're going into a discussion 
if we're going into a, a sharing of ideas, an exchange of opinions, um, the physical threat isn't there. And you've got to decide, am I going to view this person's convictions, their beliefs? Am I going to view them as weapons and be on high alert, hypervigilant, ready to counterattack, ready to defend um, and take them down uh, until I get, you know, more support or I can get, you know, police or someone else to assist me? Or do I actually trust myself to go, it's okay, these are just thoughts. These are just someone else's, uh, you know, a reflection of somebody else's experiences um, of their of their beliefs. There's a large chance they'll be reflective of their assumptions. And can I go into that space and feel unthreatened? Can I go into that space and go, it's okay. I don't have to be in a defensive frame of mind. I can just listen. I can just listen and respond. And I can put my hands up at times and go, I actually don't know what the answer is to this position. I don't know what the response is. This is what I think. This is the best that I have at the moment. Um, and, you know, that might not be... That might not be very exciting. That might not be very sexy. Um, it might not give the satisfaction of, um, you know, the back and forth of a conflict or an argument with a clear winner. Um, but, <laughs> and this is just me. I mean, I... I I'm not particularly interested in defeating others. <laughs> That's not my mission in life. I'm not, I'm not kind of, I'm not going about my business trying to take people down. Um, I don't like dishonesty. I don't like phoniness. I don't like posers. Um, I don't like disingenuousness. Um, I don't like a lack of thoughtfulness. Uh, I'm not afraid to call bullshit. On you know behavior, um, I can be quite emotional myself, and I trust my, I trust my sort of emotional feelings. I trust my kind of my, my gut instinct. Um, if I have a feeling that someone is off, or what they're saying is off, I'll I'll trust that, um, and then I'll try to find like well, what is it? What what exactly is it here that's making me feel uneasy? What do I distrust? And I try not to take it personally um, because I just don't think it's helpful. Um, and it depends. I mean, again, I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking pretty abstractly here, and I'm, I'm talking in quite a, a general way. I mean, if, if I'm talking about people, I, I, you know, who I'm intimate with, whom I'm intimate, uh, I do take that stuff personally, of course, <laughs> naturally. I'm not a robot. <laughs> I'm not. A, I'm not a psycho. Um, I feel things. That was one of my jokey refrains from years and years ago. I'm not a rock. I'm not a rock. I feel things. But again, if I'm going into a a situation, 
a discussion, whatever it might be. Um, I need to be at my best to to access my own thinking, to access my own considered responses. I need to feel like there's no threat. And I think one way to achieve that, one way to feel like there's no threat is to present yourself in a very um, undefensive, undefensive, non-defensive way. So people go, oh, (laughs) this guy isn't coming in with assumptions, isn't coming in with an agenda isn't coming in prejudicially this person's coming in being open and at ease with uh you know a a conflicting point of view um and the other person is not being judged in that situation and that is disarming for, for, for a lot of people, that's disarming, which is a good thing. Go, oh, okay, right. This, this changes the dynamic. It changes the pattern I was expecting. Um, and now these weapons I have feel a bit like I've overcompensated. I feel a bit overdressed for this, this exchange, so to speak. Um, and it, ta- it, you know, it does take a bit of, I think it takes a bit of discipline, I take. I think it takes a bit of self awareness, um, and, and I can give you an example. I can give you an example. So earlier this year, when I was working on the play manifest with Broken Talkers Theatre Company, um, which had a very open, honest, um, quite wide ranging rehearsal process where. The, the you know the men involved in the the show in the cast, you know we were exploring a lot of our own um, understandings of and responses to masculinity, um, and you know a lot of things came up at different times, and my my position in in that you know in that setting like in in a rehearsal setting. Um, my position always is I'm here to serve the show. So anything that happens in the rehearsal space needs to be fully unshackled. It needs to be totally uh, free of inhibition. Um, if, if things are going to be explored fully in service of the show, that's the objective. It's not in service of the artist, um, although I mean, you know, indirectly it is because if the artist is successful in exploring fully, there's a greater chance the artist will get artist, whatever artist slash performer, actor, whatever. There's a greater chance of success in terms of delivering something a bit richer, a bit deeper, a bit more authentic, and ultimately that. Of course, that will serve the show. That will give the audience a better experience, hopefully, and allow the artist to access um, better work in themselves, which will be of benefit to the other people in the show. Um, so 
one of the days in the rehearsal process, I'm not, I can't even remember exactly what we were talking about. It was, it was in the area of these not, you know, these really dubious um, male role models that have come to prominence in recent years. I think particularly we were talking about Andrew Tate, um, and there was there, there was a line of thinking that I was exploring. And I was looking, I think I was sort of, as far as I remember, I think I was really kind of going, oh yeah, okay, what's the appeal? And I was sort of, I, 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 was, I was acknowledging the appeal and the attractiveness of these guys um, or how I, my feeling of how attractive they might be to, to younger men and teenage boys and I, I sort of instinctively felt that the the other members of the company, not the cast, but the you know the production team, almost all of whom um, in the room that day, almost all of whom were women and younger women. Um, I just I could feel this kind of bristle. <laughs> I could feel this bristle from those women, and I. You know, you have an instinct. You have, you know, if you're sensitive to that, you kind of go, oh, what I'm saying here is not something that they particularly want to to hear. Um, it's making them uncomfortable, perhaps. And then you, you know, your selfish voice kicks in and goes, okay, I'm being judged right now. <laughs> I'm being judged. And they're going, this guy's the oldest guy in the room, which was true. Um, and you start making assumptions i started making assumptions okay so they view me as oh, here we go again here's some guy he's a bit of a dinosaur da, 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 da. and you go in this kind of negative well whatever you put negative on it or whatever but you i went on that very quickly because i mean again I, I i believe we're very quick our brain we're very quick at making the connections and taking in um you know these experiences and I just had to stop myself and go, I need to have faith here in what I need to have faith in. <laughs> and what I need to have faith in is the process and being in service of the show and in service of the exploration in order to get a better result when we finally get up, get, you know, get it on its feet and get into the space and perform. Um, and I need to not be concerned about how I'm perceived by, you know, by people that I respect, you know, on a professional basis. I don't know them, um, but I need to not let myself get distracted. I need to not let myself suddenly become defensive or feel a need to qualify what I'm saying because that's actually going to become an inhibition uh, and it won't serve the exploration um yeah and you know immediately i think you know this is something i think actors in particular need to be able to do they need to go to places that aren't necessarily connected to their own convictions or personality or inclination or how they position themselves in the world but actors need to go to these places to go okay that's what that might be like and uh, that i'm not saying that as a disclaimer i'm not trying i'm not defending my line of thinking um but if 
again, if you're only trying to, and this came up on something I was listening to, I was listening to Roisin Ingle uh, of the Women's Podcast, an Irish Times podcast. She was interviewing Anne Enright and something came up about pleasing people. Um, and yeah, it resonated with me because I've definitely had a history in the past. Where else would that history be? Except I've had a history in the future. <laughs> in the past, I definitely had a, a phase, um, you know, as a young adult, um, and, and maybe for, you know, for longer than that, of being a people pleaser and trying to placate and trying to make things easy. I still have a lot of that impulse in me. And maybe you hear that. Maybe you hear that on the podcast in some of the things I say. Maybe there's a bit of equivocation at times. Um, ter- I, you know, I try to be terribly reasonable. Um, but in terms of art and art making, um, if you're trying to please people, oh man, what a horrendous starting point. <laughs> what an awful, awful um, you know, guideline. Um, you're not going to produce anything that's interesting uh, or real. Um, so yeah, pleasing people, no good. And, you know, again, to go back to the specific example I was giving, I'm doing the show, I was doing the show, when I get into that space, my mentality is, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to do the work. And if I make friends or if I build better relationships with the people I'm working with, brilliant. I mean, I I embrace that. I welcome that. I love that. Um, But ultimately, it's about the work. Do the bloody work. And if we go back to my hypothetical situation of, you know, speaking to others with whom you may disagree, speaking to the other which could represent any, anyone, but I was looking at a kind of a male-female dynamic, a male-female exchange. Um, if I'm interested in having a good exchange, and by good, I mean open, honest, um, I mean potentially enriching in some way, um, that's the work of that exchange. And I'm there to have the work served. <laughs> I'm not there to advance my own ego or advance my own um, agenda. Uh, I'm there to hopefully, hopefully engender a level of trust that will lead to a conversation that is going to be a positive experience for both of us. And perhaps challenge um, more typical dynamics um, and perhaps become a, well, you know, perhaps an an opportunity for a reset. Um, But again, I look at it and I go, well, that's just me and one other person potentially. And I don't represent the monolith. any more than they represent the monolith. Um, But 
I don't know. It's, it's. I mean, it, it, it's just something I'm interested in. It's it, like it, it's something I'm interested in because I am. I continue to be interested in human nature, in the points of view of others, in identity, in alienation, uh, in. Uh, you know, experiences of of uh, disenfranchisement, um, in experiences of in in experiences of of, of prejudice, of exclusion. Um, I'm interested in how people negotiate their own journey. I'm interested in how people feel um, connected to others. I'm interested in how they feel a sense of of belonging. Um, I'm interested in how people perceive themselves. So it's you know it, it, it's largely psychological. It's it's often connected to the the internal uh, experience. It's often connected to the the subjective experience. Um, but I, you know, it, it's interesting to me because it, it it's a way of exploring the world. It's a way of exploring um, how the world is understood by others, how life is understood and negotiated by others, and that you know enriches or enhances my own understanding. Um, and again, and maybe this is absolutely, <laughs> maybe this is absolutely pathetic. <laughs> but again, if there's improved, if there's improved understanding um, and an improved sense of feeling understood um and then to use maybe you know a a more a more popular term um from the sort of psychology of of relationships or identity or society but when there's a greater sense of being seen and being heard that brings its own validation and when we have validation we feel less under threat we feel if not overt tacit approval we feel acknowledged Um, and I think that that can make us feel less bristly less self-conscious less reactive um, and less inclined to to indulge the judgment to indulge our own judgment of others and also less inclined to indulge the judgment of others of us um, which is a stronger position it's it's, it's a calmer position um, and as I say it when we're feeling calmer 
uh, and less inclined to be very protective of our ego, um, less protective of our identity. Um, we, yeah, we're just, um, we're, we're offering something calmer, calmer to the world. Um, and it's, 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 it's a form of, of, of safety. That's, that's, that's stronger and more, more self-trusting, I suppose. And again, you know, I hear myself use some of these terms and I go, I have, I've, I did a whole episode on this earlier this year, which you can go and find, um, if you're so interested. But the, yeah, just, just to, just to wrap this up, I mean, you know, ultimately it's, it's my way of kind of rejecting, um, rejecting assumptions or questioning assumptions, assumptions that I make about others, uh, questioning the assumptions that others may make about me. And certainly being extremely wary of monolithizing, of thinking of the other uh, in monolithic terms, um, being very wary of someone looking at, at me and going, well, you're a man, uh, you're whatever, you know, you're a white straight man of a certain age. Uh, therefore this and I'm like really (laughs) really therefore this okay you're a woman of a certain age of a certain social standing with a certain profile therefore this I failed I failed straight away I'm like okay what, what does that actually achieve I can go you're a woman of a certain age, of a certain social standing, of certain whatever, whatever, and therefore this could be possible. You know, these other things could possibly be true, but I don't know. I don't actually know. Um, and is it going to help if I put those front and centre? Or... Is that just something that means, okay, now we can't actually communicate. <laughs> we can't actually communicate properly, safely, openly, because the the distrust cards are there on the table between us. Um, can I hold those two things in the same space and go, you know, and then like, is that is that a weapon behind my back then? Is that the, I'm shaking your hand here, but I'm holding a gun behind my back. Um, again, you know, come with hands open. <laughs> Leave your weapons at the door, like the, you know, the saloons in the Wild West. Um, and then there might be a chance <laughs> we can uh, we can work this thing out. Um, okay, there you go. That's it. That's all I've got. That's all I've got today. Um I uh, I didn't know I was going to go to that. That was a bit, uh, yeah, that 
that that that slight uh, detour to domestic abuse. Um, I didn't realize my brain was going to go to that place. So um, yeah, I hope that wasn't uh, triggering. Um, I think you know. I, just, just, I mean, just to finish on this, I mean, I had one other thought, and again, it's just the way I kind of think about these things. Um, you, you know, the the idea of of a of a kind of a collective wound. Um, uh, I think that's. I think that can be. I think that can be a powerful idea. Excuse me, sorry. I think that is a thing, and. I think it's hard to articulate and it's hard to quantify because I think it is something that becomes quite internalized um, and maybe that's that's part of the backdrop to this whole conversation, this whole idea of looking at kind of assumptions and prejudices um, and this idea of certitude um, when we look at others and go, oh, they're like this and the, the monolithic thinking idea um that the 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 sense of collective wound the sense of this has been done to us um and even even though we may understand that as this has been done to me or we've experienced it as this has been done to me but then we come to believe that this has been done to us and i think i think many women could probably think about the collective female experience you know socially historically culturally and go this has been done to us and you know this is a time of reckoning and obviously something like me too would be an expression of that um you know perhaps a wider range of female voices in the public space is a reflection of that a popularity of female stories i mean again this is just for example um so women again and again like you know i'm 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 arguing against myself here because i can make a generalization like that and suddenly there's the monolith thing again oh well women you know women have a wound women have something to say um but you know if it's not too contradictory in terms of most of what i've been saying in today's episode i I do think there's a place you know there's a place in the sort of um you know the kind of the, the the psychodrama of our narratives for this idea of the collective wound and i think you know, it's my certainly it's my impression that that is something that's been discussed a lot in relation to men's issues and how men are feeling, you know, disempowered or disenfranchised or emasculated or, you know, left behind by the modern world or the current moment. And that sense of that sense of of wound, that sense of being, you know, rejected or reduced to you know to to cliches or stereotypes or prejudices uh you know that has a wounding effect um and i you know i do think there are a lot of men out there who who feel threatened 
or who feel um, undervalued, unappreciated, and that you know those things definitely can feed into um, into anger because people rather than expressing their 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 hurt rather than coming forward and showing this is my wound and it really hurts and what i really love more than anything is for you to treat me gently and to treat me with care and and sympathy and nurturing um you know ask yourself how many people do that (laughs) how many people come forward and go all i really want is a hug they don't they you know they, they, they 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 shut it down they cover it up and they might just express anger um they might just express their judgment of your rejection um and then seek out the comfort of 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 a, of a group um where they don't have to show their vulnerability where they don't have to show their wound or the idea you know that their wound becomes um you know you know transmogrified or perverted uh, or morphed into to something else the wound becomes weaponized um and you know in you know again this, this wasn't where i wanted to spend this episode but that wound becomes weaponized into vilifying the you know the perceived wrongdoers um which you know in this case it you know it could be okay well it's women who are rejecting us and you know then we're going into kind of incel territory the involuntary celibate and all of that i mean i'm very wary of all that stuff i distrust it intensely um you know anything that's really positioning one group against another and going you know channel your anger towards them i mean you're getting into you know you know silos of populist thinking um which is a, and you know and obviously there is see again i, I didn't i shouldn't have started this because I'm, I'm trying to wrap up but i would perceive the rise of populism over the last whatever 10 or 15 years in different parts of the world as being you know indicative or symptomatic of deep cultural and social and historical wounds failures of the political classes um you know economic failures social failures um you know community failures and that's laid the ground for this sense of wound to be weaponized in different areas and it's why populist leaders i believe have had so much joy over this uh, relatively recent past um because they're tapping into something and there there aren't enough voices saying um you know we hear you we see you we feel you um you know there's a you know let's find a pathway together let's find a solution together that isn't based on channeling our anger in the wrong places which i see happening you know in so many places and certainly to bring it back to domestic abuse um if anything epitomizes 
the challenge the channeling of anger in the wrong places um it it, it can only be you know domestic abuse situations and um you know have nothing but sympathy for for people in that situation the victims uh first and foremost their safety has to be the priority but again i have endless sympathy for you know for damaged men um wounded men and their you know psychic carnage and their devastated internal landscapes um and you know i wish there were more spaces and more avenues in in society and in communities um that gave sort of a you know a ray of light a sense of there's a space i can go to to present my my brokenness and present my sense of despair um safely in a non-judgmental place and perhaps i can get a chance to repair myself and be be a better person um which will only be of benefit to those closest to me and perhaps there's a chance then for repairing damage done um but yeah again i'm not trying to placebo that i'm not trying to oversimplify it it's deeply troubling deeply deeply concerning area of of um you know of life and of um you know interpersonal experience um female experience male experience you know that's it that's what we that's who we are and we are far from perfect anyway there you go sorry that was a bit of i didn't i didn't really mean to end up in that place at the end but i did and now i'm going to go and get a haircut okay so next week you'll hear me with a different haircut i'm going to be tighter slicker sharper and the sun is shining and it looks beautiful out there a lot of a lot of green leaves still doing very well even though autumn is here uh okay i'm gonna get out there and get some of that listen thank you listen now if you haven't listened before <laughs> listen for the thank you here it is thank you thank you for listening thank you for choosing this podcast you're welcome back anytime you're welcome to go and listen to what is now a reasonably substantial uh body of work um there's over 120 episodes as of today um they're all there wherever you get your podcasts go back listen have a surf see what topics appeal to you and do you know do please you know do please leave a review leave a comment wherever you listen wherever you think the appropriate platform is leave a rating subscribe share and if you really dig what i do um become a become a patron become a benefactor of this independent podcast you can use the patreon link that is patreon.com forward slash the clear out and i'd be really grateful for anything you could contribute but as i say just sending some love across social media challenges challenges channels <laughs> social media channels um ratings reviews all that stuff that all really helps and i need your help i'd appreciate your help i don't exist in a vacuum and this podcast doesn't exist in a vacuum although sometimes it feels like it does 
so you can help me with that okay thanks again have a have a good week i'll be back next week with more go safely go thoughtfully try to stay in touch with your positivity try and access your trust that things can be better things will be well and um, as always mind yourselves mind yourselves and i'll talk to you next week all the best take care see you bye